Welcome to Unity of Tucson. You know you can't go back again to the world that you've been living in because you're dreaming with your eyes wide open. To remove us from this notion that we should ever go back to where we have been living, it actually asks of us this. To avoid that, we must forget everything we think we know. We must forget everything we think we know. What if you actually forgot everything you thought you knew about anything, about your life, about spirituality, about a, a, a path? What if you forgot all of it? What if you were experiencing the expression of this for the very first time? Do you remember? You know, not everybody does. I remember the first time I sat down in a New Thought community and was just blown away at what I was hearing because it resonated. And not because there was anything particularly, and at least for me, there was not anything particularly uh, revelatory about it because what I realized is that it was speaking to me at a level of that which I already inherently felt I knew. And yet, hearing it in a new way, hearing it in a new way, and allowing myself to forget everything that I thought I knew, in that moment, I was able to come alive. How about you? Well, since then, stepping into the coursework that allowed me to then step into ministry and, and you know, receive credentials from educational institutions that say, yes, you are authorized now to carry the title of minister and people can call you reverend. And you know what? None of that matters. None of that actually matters. Because here's the thing, I can take that magnificent knowledge that I have accumulated over all this time and I can throw it all out and step forth right in this moment and say, I have an opportunity in this exact moment to come alive once again, to come alive like never before. I was actually faced with that a great deal this week. You know, it's, I've talked about it a little bit here. I'm in, these, I'm in this coursework. There's the one course that I'm not really talking about today. It's called Advanced Consciousness Studies, which I like to make fun of it being called Advanced Consciousness Studies, because what does that really mean? It just means that we're taking a deeper dive into this stuff. And, and, I, and, and the thing about Advanced Consciousness Studies is it's less about spirituality. It is actually a lot more about quantum physics and where we are finding the, the, the bridge between the two. Um, but I was actually faced with some interesting challenges this week in my Unity coursework. Now, I'm taking two classes right now through Unity Worldwide Minister, the Unity Worldwide Spiritual Institute. They're all in alignment with me being granted an ordination as a Unity Minister. The one, one of the classes I'm taking is called Unity Perspectives. It's the foundational and contemporary authors of Unity, so it's a heavy research course. We do a lot of reading. I've, in fact, this, these past two months, I will have read just for that course alone, I think seven different books. So there's a lot of reading. 
The other course that I'm taking, there's also a lot of reading because it is the writings of Myrtle and Charles Fillmore. <laughs> so there's just a lot of reading that's going on right now. And uh, the instructor of that course, the Charles and Myrtle Fillmore writings course and I actually share this same kind of idea that we need to let go of everything we think we know. And you know what that also means? Let go of the old language. Let go of all of it. What do we know? If we were free of all of, this pre, of, all of these preconceived ideas of what the life should look like, if we let go of all of that, what would we be left with? We might be left with this opportunity to open up and come alive in a way we never have before because we are not limiting the, cap the capacity of our potential by anything from the past. And that actually goes, for me, very much in alignment with reframing the second principle of the five principles of unity that I decided I wanted to talk about. So I started last week with the first principle, which is God is all there is. God is all there is, which could be shortened down to God is. Or, as I joked about last week, I could just stand up here and say, God. This week, if we say God is, this week is we are. God is, we are. Charles Fillmore did write this. He said, God is individually formed in consciousness in each of us. We are that which is. There is no separation. God is the innate truth of every aspect of our being. There is no cell or atom. There is no thought. There is no energy that we recognize as inherently us that is not God. It's all God. Now, we can now talk about the limitations of utilizing the word God itself because God, consciousness, love, spirit, infinite source, whatever you choose to call it, it doesn't matter. That universal principle is individually formed in consciousness in each of us. We are infinite consciousness, experiencing life in a limited way. We have chosen to experience life in a limited manner. But I have found great benefit and freedom to breaking down those limitations and remembering I am because God is. In Unity Worldwide Ministries, the second principle is stated in this way. Our essence is of God. Therefore, we are inherently good. This God essence, called the Christ, was fully expressed in Jesus. Now, I have some issues around the languaging of that, to be honest. And it's actually one of the things that we talked, we've, we've talked a lot about in uh, these courses is the language that we use to try to express. And language is inherently clumsy because it is limited in its scope. So you cannot use something limited to express the unlimited. It just doesn't work. So part of what comes up for me is that we state in this principle that it was fully expressed in Jesus, which seems to imply that it is not fully expressed in us. But you know what I'm here to tell you? Irrespective of what you think, it is fully expressed in you. It is fully expressed in me because we are utilizing this life essence, this power, this presence to live and express. Now, are we utilizing it in a way that is productive and constructive? Maybe not all the time. 
but it is fully expressed by means of each and every one of us. So the work then becomes to lift ourselves up into the conscious awareness that as we think, we are creating our lives, so why think anything less than? Why believe anything less than? Unity Worldwide, the headquarters, it's funny because Unity Worldwide Ministries states it one way, Unity Headquarters states it a different way. Unity Headquarters states the second principle as this, human beings are divine at their core and therefore inherently good. Well, here's the thing about good. Good is subjective. It's, it's subjective. What is good for me may not be good for you. What I decide to take action on in the name of good in my life may not be so good for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm hesitating only because this is the thing that always comes up in every class I teach when we talk about the nature of good. They say, but what about Hitler? I will tell you what about Hitler. Hitler would not have engaged in what he engaged in if he did not in his own soul think that it was good. Now, there was a disagreement. There was a disagreement with, I think, the majority of us. Because we would look at that and say, it's not good. So I, I have a hard time saying that we should ascribe this quality of good to the second principle. Maybe it's better left to state it this way. Human beings are divine, the living embodiment of God. How we choose to use the inherent power becomes the thing. And some people use it constructively, some people use it destructively. But we get to decide what that constructive or destructive use of the power means to us each individualized. To come alive for me is to open up in this way, that we are each and every one of us evolving in our understanding. And if we are not evolving, then we are devolving, because there is no way in which spirit is not actively moving or expressing in some way. Spirit is not passive. God is not passive. We are not passive. So what are, we, uh, what are we evolving to? I believe that we are on the precipice of unlocking a greater understanding of what unity means. Gene Houston, the philosopher, you know Gene Houston? I'm just looking in the room to see if anybody knows who Gene Houston is. <laughs> one of the most brilliant minds, one of the most brilliant contemporary minds, I think, on the planet right now. She wrote this in something I read recently. She, she wrote, we cannot shrink the infinite to fit into the finite. Because if we do, we just end up with a fundamentalist God. We can extend through conscious work on ourselves the capacity to expand and thus enter into partnership with the infinite. So there's the call. Our work 
in coming alive is to expand ourselves, to expand our conscious awareness to the infinite, not try to uh, bring the infinite down to this level, to open ourselves up to be lifted into the infinite. It goes, it, it makes me think of that thing that, that people, uh, you know, you see memes that go out about this and, and it's written out, it's, you know, stop telling God how big your problems are. Start telling your problems how big your God is. That infinite nature within each and every one of us is greater than any problem that we perceive exists in our life because inherent in any perception of problem is a solution. Otherwise, the problem could not exist. By God, I mean this inherent truth at the core of our being, this infinite divine principle. Because there is no deity, there is no thing out there. Well, we say God is, it is all that is. It is not one expression out there in any way. There is no deity. We teach this, but do we live this? Do we live this? There is no deity, but there is divinity as us. But boy, I'll tell you, we have mastered the art of arguing for our limitations. In fact, one way we argue for our limitations is in the very language that we may utilize and we don't question. This may seem blasphemous in a unity church, but I want to talk about this for just a moment. James Dillett Freeman wrote the prayer for protection. It was not until 1940 there was even a concept that we should ever consider a need for a prayer for protection. The prayer for protection was written in reaction to world events, the war, the raging war in Europe. That's why the prayer for protection was written. He said, we had never before needed a prayer for protection. Why would we need it? From what would we need to be protected if we know who we are? If we are divinity, there is nothing from which we need protection. If we know our fundamental truth, which is the second principle, we are, then what is this thing out there that we're calling to to say we need protection? It isn't out there. It isn't out there. We are light, we are love, we are power, we are present. Presence, that's what I meant to say. We are pre I trust we're present, but we are also presence. That is the fundamental nature of our being. We are presence, we are power, we are love, we are light. And I wanna, and I wanna take note of the fact that I did not say we are the light, we are the love, we are the power, we are the presence, because making a definite article, putting a definite article before that makes it imply that there is something out there. But we are. It is not out there. We are not a vessel containing God. And here's the other thing. God doesn't use us. God doesn't use us. God is us.
Charles Fillmore wrote, the ideas of God are potential forces waiting to be set in motion through proper formative vehicles. I'm going to read that again. The ideas of God are potential forces waiting to be set in motion through proper formative vehicles. If the ideas of, of God are potential forces, what activates that force into expression? He continues by saying, the thinking faculty in man is such a vehicle. And it is through this that the visible universe has existence. So think about this in this manner. We are that which is, and it is our utilization of the potential forces that inherently exist in activating them in our own mind. We have created the entire universe collectively. We are the way that potentiality becomes reality and experience. And I want to go back to saying language is a really messy way to try to explain any of this. That's why the mystics and the sages through the ages have traditionally used metaphor to try to describe the ineffable. Because it is in metaphor, through the utilization of metaphor, it stimulates within us, I believe, at least when I read the words of the sages and the mystics of the ages, and, and, I, and I engage in this metaphorical understanding, it stimulates within me a feeling more than it does an intellectual idea. Now that feeling, coupled with thought, creates, and I get to decide. I get to decide. You get to decide. I am more and more of the mind that God doesn't create anything. This notion, this idea that God out there, that God is this energy just waiting out there. It's not. It's us. I am more and more of the mind that God doesn't create anything. We, as the physical expressions of this God principle, also known as consciousness, are the animating factor, and we do indeed create, not co-create. Because to say we co-create means we are creating with something. We are the creative aspect. We create as consciousness. God requires animation, and animation needs God. One without the other is nothingness. So I've talked a lot about philosophy, right? But what's really important to me is to say, we can have all of this philosophy, we can have these ideas, we can, we can formulate concepts around what we think God is, what we don't know, what we do know, what we perceive, we can let go of what we think we know and step into the silence and say, I am open, I know nothing, now what can I know? Here's the thing, that philosophical exercise means nothing if we can't put it to practical use in our lives. So what is the practical value of any of this that I'm talking about today? How do we put this into practice? How do we put this idea into practice? Well, what comes up for me actually is the way we started today. Forget everything you think you know. Let us forget everything we think we know. I choose now to forget everything I think I know and open up to what is left. 
to open up to the infinite potential, to open up to a deeper understanding that is free of any limitation. Let go of the limitations of what others have offered and use the silence to open up to the inner truth of being. That's how I choose today to come alive. And the world becomes a fantasy. And you are more than you could ever need. And you know you can't go back again to the world that you've been living in because you're dreaming with your eyes wide open. So come alive. Namaste. Hi, this is Rev. Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.